going on ladies and gentlemen it is your boy rufus back with another installment of the rufus rundown podcast uh yet again at site b but with much new and improved equipment um i don't think you should be able to hear the fans from uh my laptop but uh you know if you do it's more acceptable this time because i'm gonna be able to do you know a lot more in terms of content with this laptop like i think i'm even gonna be able to post you know some gaming videos and stuff relatively soon uh with it as well not too entirely sure about streaming. Um, I'm thinking streams are going to be a Sunday thing. Uh, once football is over, I might just start streaming some Warzone, streaming whatever. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Maybe even start streaming. I guess maybe streaming on this. Uh, not a lot of mouse and keyboard gaming I'm going to be able to do on this. So I pick up a mouse. Uh, maybe change some things around with it. Um, the way the setup is, it just I'd have to get on the keyboard. and Yeah, no, I don't know about mouse and keyboard game, But you know, controller game it can definitely handle. So that more or less would be Warzone. Uh, I'd like to get some Valorant done and stuff too, but yeah, that'd be on the home uh, desktop. But anyways, Rufus Rundown, Sports World, right? Uh, apologies too for the appearance. It is, uh, weather is hell right now. Uh, my nose, I'm looking like Rudolph right now, looking, looking, not looking too good uh, in, in that department. I'm, I probably look terrible. Um, but, you know, decent excuse for the allergies and everything. No COVID here, but just absolutely miserable weather conditions from cold to warm. Once again, sending my nose into living hell and, you know, the rest of it just... Anyways, enough of my misery. Uh, we got a, we got a fun we got a fun show. Uh, I get to complain about the Baseball Writers Association and complain about Major League Baseball and why the game is dying, which uh, is something I often do um, and complain about. And I haven't been able to complain about the show in quite a bit. I think the last... I mean, geez, I haven't talked baseball on the show in probably a while. Um... Considering I haven't done a lot of the shows, but I mean, I don't really talk baseball too much in general until the season. So, uh, the hall, but the Hall of Fame and the Hall of Fame comes around is, is normally a pretty easy subject to talk about. Considering last year they didn't vote anybody in, and people weren't even submitting ballots, uh, with a great privilege it is to to vote and then just not even just pissing on it, throwing it away, uh, just taking it for granted that it is such a privilege, uh, and not actually recognizing any of these great players. Uh, but thank God David Ortiz gets in. Uh, first ballot. Now, am I pissed about Bonds, Clemens, Schilling? Absolutely. Don't get me wrong, I'm pissed, but uh, it's very backhanded. Big probably getting in, but God, I mean, as a Red Sox fan, that dude is the Red Sox. That dude is baseball, especially to me and the generation I grew up in. Uh, he is the greatest clutch hitter of all time, arguably one of the greatest clutch athletes ever. Uh, dude did it time and time again in the toughest of moments, so shout out Big Poppy for getting in, but it'll be something we dive into more as the show goes along so the show went on like i said uh you know the two years since kobe bryant and gianna bryant passing we'll, we'll kick it off with that and you know remembering that addressing that i addressed it back on the show back in the day two years ago uh, i did literally a legitimate special episode just pretty much to that talking about kobe bryant gianna bryant um of course david ortiz getting into the hall bonds coming chilling on the outside looking in uh, Andrew Jones, Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, guys that are looking to get in and very well might be on that path to getting there. Uh, then the NFL divisional round reaction, uh, me reacting to that, and Sean Payton stepping away um, from the Saints organization. Uh, you know, the breakdown of the game is going to be pretty in-depth. Um, I'm going to, try again, try and do a separate show, or if you saw my tweets, you know, I tried to try to give my predictions on the tweets as well, just give relative rundown if I can't get the show out one way or another uh, follow me on Twitter at Rufus Rundown or anywhere on Facebook as well too if you like the Facebook page the Rufus Rundown there's just plenty of different ways to find where I'm putting my picks out and putting out 
uh, different opinions at times that I don't have really time to hop in a video and address. I posted a new TikTok talking about uh, Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis, and how unfair it is for them not to get the ball. A couple of specific plays on the plays that they made, which were fantastic, which, of course, we will get into. Um, like I said, Sean Payton stepping away, and that's pretty much all we have for the show today. So uh, hopefully you guys are locked in, ready to enjoy uh, this, I believe, fourth episode? Let's see, episode four? Um, all right, I said once a week. Once a week was the plan. Once a week is the goal. Uh, got a lot of guests that I have in mind, a lot of guests I got to reach out to, a lot of different plans. Uh, but with this new gear, I can go on the road. There's a lot of different things I can do with it. Uh, really excited for the future of this show. Uh, Site B, I got to, you know, you're going to get some creative juices going here. Maybe like a command strip with some jerseys hanging in the back. But relatively, you know, not too bad. You know, pretty straightforward background here. Definitely a different setup. Might even look different on the screen. But at the end of the day, we're, I'm going to get out there what I need to get out there. And you guys are going to be able to enjoy it much more than so much more so than when I had the MacBook. And you can buy here ready to explode. And then the laggingness too. Uh, we're going to be able to get this out of here. 1080p uploaded everything very quick. And, and I'm excited for it. I'm excited for the future of the show and what this new uh, laptop allows me to do along with my desktop and just the plans that I have going forward. So let's get right into this episode of the Rufus Rodan. All right, so starting off the episode with just remembering Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant. Life is short, man. Uh, recently had a you know a close friend of the show uh, pass away unexpectedly as well. Real, real, you know, shocking, heartbreaking, uh, hurt the soul type of stuff. Incredibly solid human being that helped me out, uh, did a lot for me, and helped me really restage and recenter my goals in in life. Gave me a platform to make an income while doing all of that. It, like I said, really, just a, a really helpful dude. Really, really nice dude. Big smile. You know, big laugh. Just talk sports with whatever. Close. Mm-hmm close friend of the show, um, supporter of the show, one of the biggest supporters of the show, um, in terms of what he was able to do for me to allow me to continue to do this at a time in my life where um, everything was up in the air, and on top of that, you know, supporting it throughout, even when I was back doing it, and progressing to these goals in terms of college and college football and everything. Um, That happening recently, and it coming in close times, and with in terms of you know remembering the two years of Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and you you can do all the good in, in the world and do all the good things and do everything right, you know, and try to make as much of a positive impact as you can, and you can make mistakes along the way too. But nothing, not a day in this life is guaranteed, man. Uh, not a single day. Not 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 for young girls pursuing you know dreams of basketball. Not. Uh, not fathers, not basketball players, not just people just trying to impact people's lives and trying to get by in the day by day. Um, there's not a single day guaranteed, no matter the actions you're committing day to day, whether they're great, whether they're bad. Um, I just I just ask you to to enjoy and celebrate life as much as you possibly can, because we do. There, there's nothing that is guaranteed in these lives that we live, and I hope that you are pursuing a passion, pursuing something that makes you a, a better person or at least in your spare time or pursuing things that allows you to help the people around you because, like I said, nothing is guaranteed. This life is short. Please celebrate it and celebrate it the people around you that, that, that matter to you. Um, like I said, have the personal situation close to me. Um, that means a lot. Um, that opens your eyes to it, but also the Kobe Bryant thing should be more in terms of he was getting into a part of his life that I think he enjoyed even more so than playing and competing. I, I think 
everything he he was progressing to with his daughters and everything was what he truthfully uh, was finding his mission in life. At least you know I think personally within him. I don't really got through a hole in the wall, but just as as things progressed and who you, who you talked to, and the reports that came out, uh, I think he was truthfully you know journey, you know journeying into the mission that meant the most to him in life, and, and he that gets cut short gets cut short of a young girl and and the rest of those families there as well you know just supporting their kids and pursuing their kids dreams and helping their kids pursue their dreams and again like i said the situation close to me so it's it is it like nothing in this life is guaranteed as short and and celebrate all the good and try to produce all the good you can because it's short is not guaranteed and and just you have to celebrate it while while you're here because you never know when that time is going to be up. Um, and like I said, I cannot be appreciative enough. Rest in peace, TJ McAfee. I cannot be appreciative enough of what he did for me and allowed me to do with this show and everything. Um, and, of course, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, Gianna Bryant, and everybody that you know, passed in that crash. And, and everybody and the positive people that you just you, you think about in your life that have passed, that have moved on. Um, or, you know, take a, take a moment to, to appreciate them uh, as well, too, because, like I said, cel- cel- celebrate the good in this world because there's a lot of bad, but... Um, but celebrate the good while it's here. So to start it off on the sports note, it is David Ortiz getting into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot with 77.9%. Of course, 75% is what you're looking for. Bonds, Clemens, Schilling all falling well short of the 75. Schilling actually at 71% last year, but then saying, you know what, I don't care, I don't want to be in. Uh, Drops all the way down to, I believe, 58 this year, um, which I think is even more dumb than Bonds and Clemens. The dude's one of the greatest clutch pitchers of all time. He, he, he has the resume, and even if he doesn't have everything entirely ready to go for in terms of statistics-wise compared to others, you just look at what he did in the playoffs. The dude was a playoff stud. He showed up in the playoffs all the time. That cannot be said for all great pitchers. Look at a guy like Clayton Kershaw. Look at a guy like David Price. Uh, even Chris Sale. Great pitchers that are going to go well in the way to, most likely to the hall. Kershaw for sure. Um, that just don't really show up as well in the playoffs. There's plenty of other pitchers you can name over time that just didn't have great playoff experiences but are Hall of Fame pitchers. Uh, Kurt Schilling, not the case. That dude that dude turned it up to a whole nother level. And because of his political views and being outspoken, he's not going to get in because people don't like him. On what planet does any of that play in? On what planet? Does the performance enhancers is another thing but I, that I don't agree with keeping them out for, considering the era they played in. And there's already dudes in the hall that have... Cheated, you know, like Gaylord Perry, me and the spitter, cheating, cheating. He he cheated in the league to succeed, and he's in the hall. There are plenty. Mike Piazza has admitted to using steroids. There are plenty of guys that have admitted to using steroids and using performance enhancing, you know, elements of the game, whether it be you know, cutting into the baseball, spitting on the baseball, or using using performance enhancing drugs, whatever it may be. There are people that admitted to to doing it and are in. So either you pull those people out or you let people in. Not the case. There are, there are just specific special circumstances with the all-time Cy Young Award winner and the all-time home run leader. Doesn't make you better at being a baseball player. Of course, it allows you the longevity to increase and everything, and it allows them to do what they did in that sense. But it was part of that era, too. And there are other people from that era that are in that you know didn't get caught, in a sense, because Ortiz even got caught, but it was anonymous, and it wasn't supposed to be leaked, and it got leaked. You know, there are so many different avenues to look down and pursue in terms of that mess of who did it, who didn't do it, and 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 they're so going to be so picky and choosy. Same with A Rod. A Rod's trying to restructure and recover from all that with everything he's doing on the ESPN broadcast, um, and that'll be a conversation for that day when he most likely doesn't get it off the bat. 
Uh, these guys still have a chance of getting in, but well down the road. I think all three should. And God, I hope they will. Uh, but, you know, who makes up the Baseball Writers Association? I, mean, I know, of course, I could look it up and figure it out. But, like, who truthfully makes it up? Why is it these writers hold so much power at, at this time with these players' careers in terms of the baseball and preserving its history? You know, some grouchy old dude that has different political views determines whether one of the greatest clutch playoff pitchers of all time goes in the hall or not. Or guys that have never even sniffed a jockstrap or played a day can tell you the difference between cheating and not cheating and what what, what the views were and understanding the times and who's in and who's out. The, the, the guys just want to feel important by saying no. Or guys that don't even submit ballots, that have the privilege of doing it, that don't submit ballots. Now, I, I just think that former players, former coaches, active players, active coaches are the only people that should have say. I want executives in there as well. People that know the game, that are in the game, that belong in the game and understand it, who should make up who goes in or not. Not writers who just watch it. What do they... They know as much as me and you. They can watch the same thing we know. They might have sources. They talk to the guy firsthand. He might be a dick to him. Might not like the media. But again, there might have been someone who asked some stupid questions in the past. Players, coaches, people who are within the game who have to compete with these guys are really the people that are going to give you the best idea of who belongs in there and who doesn't. I mean, David Ortiz is... is, is for me personally, it's socks, but a no-brainer. I mean, the numbers aside, I mean, the eye test, that dude is every four, hits 400 in the playoffs and through the World Series. Grand slams when his team is trailing 4-1 uh, to one in, in, in late in game. Just why they continue to pitch to him, I don't know, but they did. And every time they did, you know, they run the, you, you run the numbers. Like, he can't do it every time, right? You know, if we pitch to him this time, he's not. He can't do it every single time. He can't hurt us every time, right? One of these times, he's going to make it out. He's going to strike out. He did it every single time. He, he had he had success. So, greatest clutch hitter ever. And then you have one of the greatest clutch pitchers ever in Kurt Schilling. And then you have a guy like Barry Bonds, arguably the greatest baseball player ever, who, who absolutely should be in. Roger Clemens, oh my goodness, one of the greatest pitchers ever. Maybe the greatest pitcher, the, the Rocket. I, I mean... What do these baseball writers, what what holds them above the rest of us as fans in comparison to, besides the fact that they cover games and have that credibility and have sources? When the people that genuinely know them and genuinely compete with them and genuinely understand who belongs in the hall and who is to preserve history of the people that compete and play and coach. There is a line there that I think really should be looked, should, should be looked into about creating a panel. I'm not saying baseball writers don't Baseball Writers Association, people that write for those tabloids and newspapers and whatnot, shouldn't have a say. They, they can. But there should be a greater portion going to players and coaches and executives and people who really are within the game and understand firsthand what these people do and did as players. And while both can have their say, I think that should be that should weigh heavier than you know any person who might have to take something personally because he doesn't like the guy's political views or believes he cheated or didn't or whatnot. It, it shouldn't come down to people holding their personal grudges when it comes to preserving history and really decorating a hall of talented, talented individuals that changed the game of baseball. Of course, guys like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton are looking at bringing in, but a guy like Bonds and Clemens is going to be on the outside. It just doesn't make too much sense. Andrew Jones, 10 gold gloves. I hope he gets in. Um, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. Like I said, just incredibly frustrated with the way the game's going right now. You have the lockout. Then you have Clemens and Bonds not getting in, and most likely not getting in the future. Schilling as well. Um, it's better than not them not using the privilege to vote anybody in. I'm glad Poppy got in on a first ballot. 
And I think that it really is a no-brainer even first ballot. I mean, biased as a Red Sox fan as I am. Um, I try to be very unbiased in all my sports opinions. I'm pretty critical of all uh, all teams, especially the, the Boston teams. Um, David Ortiz absolutely should get in and absolutely should be a first ballot. But, like I said, it's just head-scratching with Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling considering there's guys in that have cheated in more ways than one, more specifically PEDs, which is what they're being you know, crushed on. And then Schilling just has different political views and is just outspoken about certain issues. And that's what keeps him out. What does that have to do? He didn't even cheat. He didn't use anything to enhance his performance. He just showed up and shoved in the playoffs with a bloody sock, with ankle surgery. Just, just shoved, did all of that historically. Changed and altered a franchise that had struggled for 86 years and continuously did it throughout the rest of his contract. And before that, had other World Series won and performed well. And because guys don't agree with what he says or because he's responded to the writers negatively, he doesn't get in. Make it make sense. Make it make sense to me, please. Because I can't find any in it. I think I forgot to mention earlier in the episode too when I kicked it off was the Ethan Souza design. As you can see, the logo on the screen there uh, did the, obviously his own logo and my Rufus Rundown logo. Uh, did not do the Know Yourself the Antils, but still has a lot of great work over on his website, on his Instagram, on his social medias. Feel free to go follow him. I, I really do recommend if you need any graphic design work done at all. He's the guy I'm going to go to when I start producing some sweatshirts and whatnot, which that'll be coming soon. Uh, sweatshirts, Rufus Rundown sweatshirts, but you no. Know, graphic design, logos, hats, whatever you may need. Uh, Ethan Souza Design is the guy you want to contact, get in touch with. Has a lot of examples of his work on there. Very talented, talented graphic designer. So shout out to Ethan Souza Design. And also, uh, the Know Yourself clothing brand. Like I said, gonna be uh, my roommate Israel going to be dropping some new tech suits. I'm um, going to be dropping some new stuff on New Yourself, but really comfortable, really solid, really great looking uh, clothing. If you want to change up the look and get into something new and get behind an up and coming brand, Know Yourself is where to go. So the information that is going to be in the bio or in the description of this video, and I really do encourage you to check that out. So a reaction to the NFL's divisional round, uh, Rodgers, a huge disappointment, Brady getting out Brady pretty much, Allen versus Mahomes, not disappointing at all, maybe the, one of the greatest football games I've ever seen. Uh, personally, I still think the 28-3 game and Tom Brady's comeback, that is the greatest football game I've ever watched. Allen versus Mahomes up there, and uh, considering how young they are, hopefully it continues to produce results like that all the way through for their careers because, my goodness, there's that there's no game in the playoffs that is going to be more entertaining than that. Maybe the KC Bengals one this week. I don't really have high hopes for the, the Rams 49ers, maybe. I don't think there will be another game as entertaining as that one when the plays those guys were making. Um, but yeah, and then Burrow obviously getting sacked nine times and somehow surviving in Tennessee. Oh yeah, that's right, because Ryan Tannehill. So we'll get into each and every one of those games. But I do want to start by saying NFL QBs, man, you need guys like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. Like, there's, there's certain guys you look at, do you see them ever doing anything like this? I'm not saying they're running. Just being able to take over a game like they do. Like Tom Brady can't run a move like that, but he, even at his age. But, you know, even a couple years back. It wasn't mobile. Peyton Manning wasn't mobile. Could just take over games, just just grab hold of them and and just and, and just do what they did. You know who are those guys uh, that that can do that? Who are the ones that can't? Who are the ones that are on the fringe of maybe being able to take that role? Um, I got about eleven guys that I think that really can. You can that can lead a franchise right now. A couple of maybes, but a lot of guys that can't. You know, a lot of guys, even the guys that can, still have somewhat of a limit to them, but. You know, we'll see how it goes the rest of these playoffs and if they can prove themselves uh, even more so. But 
yeah, uh, they are in a league of their own. Josh Allen and Patrick, uh, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, uh, both leading their teams in rushing, uh, throwing for over about 300 yards each. Uh, four for Allen, three for Mahomes. Of course, Allen had the five touchdowns against the Patriots. Just incredible numbers from these incredible athletes. You just need these kind of quarterbacks if if you want to win in this league today, uh, and just make these absolutely back-breaking plays to the defense. Uh, Josh Allen breaking through scrambling. Mahomes doing the same thing. Uh, they just have such a natural instinct and such a natural skill for the game uh, in escaping danger. Um, and I think this should really heat up Brandon Staley's seat uh, even more. I mean, I know it's only been one year for Brandon Staley, but when you think of the guys, the, those dudes, these guys, you know, looking for better words, these stellar, outstanding quarterbacks that, can take over games like this one way or the other, whether it's running, throwing, really can just do the spectacular and take over a game whenever it is necessary. Justin Herbert is one of those guys already. Um, And the fact that he's not in the playoffs and you're not giving him the platform to do that and experience that, his seat has to be uh, very, very warm right now for this upcoming season if he can't get it done there with Herbert you got to find someone who can because you cannot waste away these rookie contracts and what you can put around these guys uh, with the talent that they possess this young point in their career in the paycheck they're getting paid you can really surround them with stellar talent to really take your team to the next level uh, and they're going to have to do that with, with Josh Allen as soon I'm sorry Justin Herbert as soon as possible it pisses me off that that, that the timeout how the end of the game however it happened all of that goes down, and we don't see Justin Herbert in the playoffs. That is crushing. You know, we could have very well seen, you know, them playing the Patriots. We could, it could, it could have been a totally different playoff scenario with Herbert, Mahomes, Burrow, true franchise-leading guys. And and, and, it, and what it comes down to is is them being on the outside looking in. We have to watch Ben Roethlisberger. We have to watch Mac Jones. We have to watch Derek Carr. Guys that I don't think are those franchise leading guys, at least Mac Jones, not yet, but guys that can't, that couldn't, couldn't, and can't, and won't take control of games and lead franchises, at least in this day and age. So, who are these guys that I'm talking about? Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, 1A, 1B. Right now, hands down, next season, uh, foreseeable future, 1A, 1B. I, I've been high on Josh Allen. Since I was low on him coming out of the draft, I've been very high on him since seeing what he's done and the improvements that he's made. And my goodness, there, there's not, there's, I really don't think, the only thing that separates Mahomes and Allen is the fact that Mahomes has gone deeper, gone to AFC Championship games, gone to Super Bowls, and won a Super Bowl. That's the only separator. And that's just accolades alone. On ability, I think they have, Allen can throw the ball just as far, uh, can run better than Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes might be a little more accurate, um, a little more successful in terms of throwing the ball. But... I, just not by not by enough, not by enough. There's nothing that separates those guys. They're, they're better at, like I said, they're better at certain things uh, than one another slightly. But I think at the end of the day, they they are, they are equals. They are equals. Um, and, and the NFL OT rules have to change for that reason. I, how can how did I mean I I get everything. Everybody's gonna hear. If you don't, if you can't stop forty plus yards in thirteen seconds, you don't deserve to win the game. And that in its own right is true. In a vacuum statement, it is true. I, I am totally behind that. We're, the, the prevent defense is, is the worst thing in the NFL at this moment. Prevent defense when a team has uh, multiple timeouts to stop the clock. You let Kelsey and Tyree get whatever they want underneath, and you get them in the field goals. Yeah, that is crushing. That is unacceptable. And McDermott and Leslie Frazier certainly have to take a hit for that and look at that. Uh, 
but so does the secondary as well. Just Levi Wallace being totally lost when Kelsey makes that catch to get him in the field goal range. I mean, like I said, th- there's so much that goes on there in the last couple plays. But at the end of the day, with the way Josh Allen was playing, there is no absolutely no reason why he shouldn't get a touch of the ball in overtime. There, there's, there's, I mean, because whoever was getting the ball first was winning that game. The coin should not decide that. Last 11 overtime playoff games, um, with with the sudden death and the way everything goes, the last 11 uh, playoff games going with OT, t- the team who wins the coin flip is 10 and one. So, and then the other, the one where the, where the Saints won it and then gave it away. Obviously, that game had its own issues as well. As a Saints fan, I know too well, and I don't want to talk about it because we're gonna get into the Sean Payton stuff later in the broadcast. Um, and uh, my, my, I'm, I'm just year after year just getting me absolutely crushed uh, emotionally, mentally by the New Orleans Saints and the Saints. Fan. But anyways, back to Mahomes and Allen. I mean, there's just no, there's just no reason. It's anti-entertainment. It's, it's just not, it's not right. I don't know what rule you have, how the rules can have to adjust, whether it be college OT, or just playing out the full overtime. At least in the playoffs, the regular season, you want to have it, whatever way you want to have it. That's fine. You can't have the guy playing. The guys playing five full quarters consistently throughout the year. But in the playoffs, there has to be a better way because there is absolutely no reason for, for Josh Allen to not even get a say or a touch, uh, a touch in that moment. Of course, he, he he's a great leader. I read um, "Extreme Ownership" by Jocko Willink. He owned it. He said, "You know, we'd be celebrating, we'd be happy, uh, we'd be totally content with it if it went the way if it, if we won the coin toss and we did exactly uh, what they did and went that way." And I don't disagree. It's extreme ownership saying that's it there's no excuses whatever you know we would celebrate we need to be better we need to do it better we need to execute better we need to win that game regardless of whether of what the overtime rules were we know how, how it stands and, and and that is it but i don't care i don't care great on you for the ownership um and we saw Mahomes robbed of it his first year where he was the starting quarterback uh when brady did it to them um it's unacceptable it's anti-entertainment uh it's tragic and, and there's no excuse for it now. It has to be addressed. I don't know. Like I said, go through all the proposals and everything. But it, seriously, we have to listen to it because it, it's it is absolutely unacceptable to not have Josh Allen getting a shot at it in overtime and, and the game coming down to a coin flip and just that that's that sense of probability. So back to the dudes. You know, Mahomes, Allen, uh, Brady. If he comes back next year, absolutely. Aaron Rodgers. You know, guys, I mean, although he was absolutely abysmal in the last playoff performance, these are guys that just can absolutely take over the game and make wild plays. And on the backs of the wall, they can really just make anything happen. Uh, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, and a couple other guys. You know, Lamar is still fantastic, banged up this year, but a uh, fantastic athlete. And I think as he continues to develop and push through in this league, he's going to be, again, he's going to make it the AFC Championship. He's going to compete uh, with Allen Mahomes. Not saying he's on the same level as them, but. With the way their team is set up and surrounded, I uh, think he will be able to get, you know, you know rear his head into those playoffs. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, uh, Joe Burrow, a couple more. Joe Burrow has proved it this 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 postseason going to an AFC Championship game, coming off of uh, a gnarly knee injury. Like I know it's only you know the second year into the guy's career, but yeah, I think he's proven that he can just absolutely alter a franchise and alter games and totally flip it around. Him and Jamar Chase have. Have done some wild things. T. Higgins as well, um, franchise-altering players. Uh, but Burrow, more importantly, as a quarterback, is a franchise-altering quarterback and can lead this team to great things. And if they can build up that offensive line and continue to build that defense, um, Burrow is going to compete 
up in there for some time in this dynamic AFC quarterback room, like I said, with Herbert, Lamar Jackson. Uh, like I said, then you mentioned, I mentioned Deshaun Watson. We'll see where he goes, but he's another one of those guys. I mean, even though we haven't seen him play for a year, he can make, he is a dynamic playmaker, whether it's moving out of the pocket or throwing the football, is a guy that can just rip games into, into just take games into his own hands. And there's nothing that can alter that but his level of play. Um, and he totally controls the game. Uh, regardless of what time is on the clock, can absolutely just control a game. Uh, Deshaun Watson is up there with that talent, uh, talent level. Like I said, Burrow, him, um, and then you also got to mention Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray. Now, both of those guys are my iffy picks, but Stafford's proven well. Really showed up in that Tampa game and made the play at the end. I think Stafford's the ten. Kyler Murray, because of his mobility, for me. Uh, is what gets him up into this group. You could throw him in with the maybes if you want to be really tough on him, but I think this guy's a dynamic playmaker that's going to be able to take over games as well uh, with his mobility when he's healthy. Um, and continues that they got playoff experience this year. Of course, a lot of these guys that in their first playoff experience really struggle. Uh, Kyler Murray falling into that category, but I think he will bounce back and will be, a, like I said, he's already been a franchise-altering player and will continue to be, but he has to be able to adjust without, without guys like DeAndre Hopkins uh, and, and succeed at the higher level with, with just him. But I still think for him to be a franchise-altering and game-altering player at the quarterback position. So I'm going to look at the category of the people who just aren't. They won't get, they haven't been there, they won't get there. Uh, as, for, as unfortunate as it is, they will never be true franchise-altering quarterbacks that you can go uh, and, and really win a Super Bowl with guys that can just get it done in crunch time for you and really flip the game on its head at any moment. Derek Carr, Tua Tagovailoa, Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, just to name a couple off the top of my head. I'm not going to unfairly and unjustly throw rookies in there. Uh, and guys that are backups and is filling in roles, like it's understood that those guys won't be there uh, long term, like the Taylor Heineke's of the world. Um, just filling in the roles for, for, for a season, that, that's not fair. But those are guys that I just don't think are ever truthfully going to be able to take you over the hump and actually kind of hinder you with the mistakes that they make uh, late in games and are genuinely the ones to hold you back. I know Matt Ryan has an MVP, but those guys make critical mistakes at critical times of the games. And Tua just really hasn't developed into that player that uh, we thought he was going to be coming out of college. That's one of the guys uh, that, that comes to mind in terms of never really, uh, never going to reach that low level of those guys that I listed as uh, the top dogs in terms of crunch time or anything, just being able to take over games. Uh, the maybes, Dak Prescott, he needs to get more mobile. He needs to trust himself more. needs to get out on the run and make plays. I, don't, I, know, I know, like I said, the injury probably playing a big uh, factor in that, but I like. I think Dak Prescott can take that step eventually, has yet to, to, to venture into uh, that area. Um, again, again, up for debate. You know, Cowboys fans might like it. Cowboys fans might crush me, but he's not there for me yet. I'm not saying it's a no. He's never going to develop into that. But uh, as of this moment, right now, he is not that. Guy. He he will. He's not that guy. Um, he's not. You know, he's not an answer. He's not an answer. He's not. He's not a problem. But he he's definitely not the answer at this moment either. Uh, it? Baker Mayfield. Uh, you can throw up there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Maybe you know you get him the right coach and and build him. Incredibly talented in college, but we'll see. Uh, maybe later in, into that season, at least in that last game, you can see truthfully what Trevor Lawrence is going to become. Um, he's about the only younger guy that I actually list in either of these categories. So I don't unfairly and unjustly throw him into there. Uh, Jameis Winston, Jimmy G. Uh, I'd say even Jared Goff still has a chance. I mean, 
Everybody likes to hate on Jared Goff, but he wasn't. He really wasn't terrible. The Lions this year, um, guys that can d develop into more. Jameis, of course, playing at elite level in college, and you know having a real good comeback here this year until the injury. Um, again, I think he was developing into a let more or less mistake prone quarterback and more and more of a just you know a genuine playmaker. Uh, doesn't have to throw for 500 yards. Uh, to get five touchdowns, but also throw five picks at the same time. You know, he's comfortable throwing four touchdowns, throwing for 150, and trusting in his run game, and had a good play call on Trump Payton, of course. Um, but, of course, he, he will adapt wherever he, wherever he goes. I think I think it was good being in that quarterback room and sitting behind Drew uh, for a year. I think Jimmy Swinson is one that can develop. Jimmy G is one again where they just happen to pull up these big games. I mean, he really tried to throw away the Dallas one, really didn't do enough to win the San Fran one, but at the end of the day, doesn't lose those games. Um, so, and he's been to a Super Bowl. But he just isn't that guy to take you over the top. But then he really isn't one to really incredibly hold you back either. So, uh, there's you know Baker Mayfield the same thing when he wasn't hurt. You know he had a very good performance uh, against you know the Chiefs in the playoffs that year as well too. Uh, prior to the injury, so I mean these are some guys that can really take that next step, but they also can step right back too and be in that don'ts category. So they really are in the middle ground, but still have time to develop into the next thing. So, Chiefs, Bills, 42-36. Mahomes, of course, getting that game-tying field goal with 13 seconds uh, from their own 25. No squib kick, uh, prevent defense, timeouts for the Chiefs. Uh, what could Murphy's Law, what could go wrong, went wrong uh, for both both defenses pretty much uh, through that, that entire last two minutes. Just points galore, everything for D and, and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes doing everything they physically possibly could. Uh, to take over and win that game for their teams. And it's one of the most entertaining, greatest football games uh, I've had the privilege of watching, and I think a lot of fans would agree with that. Gabriel Davis, career day, eight catches, 201 yards, four touchdowns. You know, Kansas City set out to take away Stephon Diggs, take away his number one weapon. Well, Gabriel Davis is back, and it was better than ever. Uh, someone to look for in fantasy football in the upcoming years, but a huge day for Gabriel Davis. Like I said, both, touch, both both quarterbacks leading their team in rushing uh, over 300-plus yards. I thought great leadership both ways. They sought each other out after the game of Holmes. Uh, no, sought him out. Uh, really, really commended him in the post-game press conference. And I, and I, I just, like I said, it's going to be fun to watch these dudes uh, ball out for, for years to come. And it should not come down to a coin flip between them, but it did. Um, it was, you know, kind of, kind of, was kind of slow, kind of, you know, kind of a slow build. But man, when the climax came around, there was a, it was a twist. That was a that was an absolute thriller. Um, and if I you know if that was the only football game I could watch for the rest of my life, I would not be upset. That one uh, one of the better ones I think anybody's ever seen. As unfortunate as the ending is, without Josh Allen getting to touch the ball, but you know the rules are as they are. You know Josh Allen, like I said, accepting owned it. Um, but like I said, I personally believe they have to find a way to change it because. You know, I mean, of course, Patriots fans, you know, are, are some of the biggest ones saying it now, having watched it when they weren't on the, the, the winning side of it. You know, at least locally for me, saying, oh, i got to change that rule. No one was saying that when, when Tom Brady did it to Patrick Mahomes. Rules are the rules. And, of course, winning teams will be more likely to side with that. But I think now it's even at the point where we've seen enough times, even Chiefs fans, even other people will say, it's got to change. Now, people talk about, you know, defense wins champions. I get that. I, I hear the side of the argument say, hey, if you give up 40-plus yards, in 13 seconds, when it took Dak 14 to run, of course they had a timeout, so it was different. Uh, timeout, so it was different. Um, yeah, no, I get it. I hear you. That's unacceptable as well. 
But, man, it's just inexcusable for Josh Allen not to have a say in that overtime. I think another thing to note in that game, uh, the performance, just Tyreek Hill is not coverable. Tyreek Hill is the best receiver in the NFL. Um, I, I think he's better than Devontae Adams, and he's better than DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think there's anyone um, really touching Tyreek Hill for the next couple of years. That that dude is is something else. you got a great quarterback throwing the ball. Don't get me wrong, but those other guys have pretty good quarterbacks throwing the ball too. Um, Tyreek Hill might be the most dynamic athlete as a whole, uh, maybe outside of Josh Allen <laughs> in, in, in the NFL. Uh, and I will stand by Tyreek Hill being the number one receiver in the league. Uh, and that is how I will close out that, that Kansas City-Buffalo uh, game. I've gone into the detail and pretty much broken down the whole thing, mainly Allen versus Mahomes. Everybody wants to talk about it being the next Brady-Manning. I'm, I'm not jumping to those yet. I, I don't want it to be – why does it have to be Brady-Manning? It can't just be Allen-Mahomes. They are dynamic. They are incredible athletes, incredible people, um, as much as you know, the Mahomes you know, family tree um, can frustrate you, and it is frustrating and quite annoying. But – don't try to turn these guys into guys that we've already seen when it's they're dynamic and incredible enough to watch on their own. Uh, we're getting Allen versus Mahomes. Not Brady versus Manning and all these different storylines are going to try and create. Just be thankful you get to watch these guys play at the level they're playing at at this moment because, man, they put on a show. So next up on the list we have, you know, 13-10. Niners over the Packers, the block field goal coming up big and the block punt coming up even bigger. Uh, Packers special teams is the th- big worry, and, and it comes back to haunt them. But in no way, shape, or form is there any time where an opponent scores 13. I don't care about the conditions, whatever may be going on, that Aaron Rodgers cannot score 14 points. He's not good for two scores. That dude is one of the greatest players to ever play the position, is a dynamic player. And at home, I don't care the weather, there is no circumstance where he should not have be, be giving your team two scores. Absolutely unacceptable. Um despicable performance from the Packers as a whole. Um, you know, Devontae Adams doing what he can do. Really, nine catches for him. Aaron Jones, nine catches as well. A.J. Dillon getting banged up early after the, the first touchdown. Rodgers, completing, you know, completing the ball well, but only 225 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Jimmy G, only 11-19 with the pick. Um, but like I said, inexcusable. Debo Samuel uh, is an absolute stud, ripping off that huge run to send them into field goal range to win the game. Really can't contain that guy. Uh, they did for the most part, but you know when it comes big, big time players make big time plays in in big games, and that that's that's what happened. That's what happened there. You you get the ball into the hands of the guys you trust the most when the game is on the line, and you hope they come through for you. And Debo Samuel did exactly that for the 49ers. Kittle had a pretty good day, um, all things considered. But like I said, it's inexcusable for the Packers to lose that one, and. Whether or not that's the last snap Aaron Rodgers played in the Green Bay uniform, I think they just they spoiled the the best chance that they're ever going to have. Uh, really, there. I mean, they've won it before, but that team, the last dance, everything like that, like it's inexcusable to say it's the last dance and then go out and lay an egg like that in that game against the Niners. That performance, considering the storyline that team set for itself, uh, is disrespectful in its own right to Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan. Uh, totally, totally, totally unacceptable. Uh, the way that went down. So, we'll see what the future holds for those guys. I mean, the Niners, you know, they rolled in. Uh, everybody picked them to upset the Cowboys. And are one of the hottest teams, if not the hottest team in football right now. Uh, them and the Bengals have had pretty good runs at it. But the Rams playing terrific football throughout the playoffs well. And beating Tom Brady is a pretty good jolt. 
Uh, both of these teams beating great quarterbacks en route to playing each other in the NFC Championship. But like I said, I just, I just, I can't help but say that Aaron Rodgers absolutely f- uh, fumbles an incredible opportunity. I mean, ten points on a, an Aaron Rodgers-led team uh, is just unacceptable. That dude, one way or another, is good. Should be good for two scores at a player of his level, a uh, player of his caliber. And Green Bay just doesn't show up for it. The special teams really, really let them down. Everyone say it wasn't even him on the field that caused it. He wasn't throwing interceptions. I understand that, but it, it, for me, it does not matter. There was not a again not a time in in really in his career where he's not good for two scores. And it, it like I said, knocks the Packers out. And wouldn't blame him if it was his last snap that he played in Green Bay. But he's still got to shoulder the majority of the blame out of the special teams. Lets him down. He'll and he'll look elsewhere to blame everybody else and. Again, Josh Allen owns it. Says, you know what, we'd be celebrating too. A guy like Aaron Rodgers says, I got to evaluate my future and whatnot. And I'm sure is cursing the special teams and everything. There, uh, quarterback's got to be a leader, man. And I'm not sure if Aaron Rodgers is an, a high level enough leader to allow himself to compete in those games, even with the talent that he has um, to take over games. But you know, really hasn't done it in the playoffs. Um, and it comes up again here. So heartbreaking, tough uh, for Green Bay. But hey, you know you got to put together your special teams better. You got to focus on little things. Um, focus on special teams. Uh, teams with storied success will, will, will tell you that. And when you have a quarterback like that, there's just no excuse for losing a game, a close game. You know, I mean, you know, if you're, if it's a blowout, whatever, everything that goes wrong, Murphy's law goes wrong. Hey, that's one thing. But you know, that's the reason why when it comes down to a game like that. Um, you, your, your star quarterback's got to take it over at some point. Um, inexcusable. Inexcusable result there. But the 49ers move on, and one of the hottest teams in football to go play the Rams once again for the third time this season, in which they are 2-0 against the Rams. We'll see if they can make it 3. Uh, but I'll, again, I'll address that later in the week on a uh, championship Sunday special. So before we get into the despicable performance from Ryan Tannehill, we have Brady getting out-Brady by Matt Stafford pretty much. Uh I mean, everything that went down to, to go into that game, the fumbles to the, the touchdowns, and then Tom Brady just trying to make another miracle comeback attempt and tying that game up late uh, with the time that they had left. I mean, I, I, I just, I'd seen this, I felt like I'd seen this movie a, a, a thousand times or more. The dude just has, there's just something about him, something magical about him that he possesses. To, to go do the things that he does at, at such a high level. I mean, it was a fantastic comeback effort, valiant effort. I, I, I saw it going no other way but a Tom Brady victory in overtime. But, you know, the Rams respond. This was Matthew Stafford's time to, to step up, you know, in the playoffs once again. They brought him here for this reason, and he comes through. Cooper Cup, again, too. He, he made big-time players, make big-time plays in big-time games. And, and my guy stepped up big. It's one-on-one with a safety uh, makes the game-winning play, you know, has over, what he had, uh, I believe he had, uh, what was the number there, 183 yards receiving, nine catches, t- a touchdown. You know, Stafford throws for 366, three total touchdowns with the sneak that he had as well. Tom Brady puts out a great day. You know, Jalen Ramsey getting beaten one-on-one coverage. You know, I'm, I'm siding with that. I, I have no problem going one-on-one on Mike Evans with Jalen Ramsey. I think Jalen Ramsey outmatched him. Of course, in that moment, I'm wrong. Stumbles, loses his feet. Um, I again, I, I nine more nine times out of ten, I think Jalen Ramsey has him on that route, but it goes Tom Brady's way. He's got the magic, uh, the magic touch in the sense. But 
Another really entertaining game. Another really entertaining game. Of course, the Rams are going to have to fix their turnover issues if they want any hope of going to a Super, going back to the Super Bowl um, and beating this Niners team because they will prey on those mistakes and, and, and play the clock game, play the run game, play you know the defensive turnover game. Uh, the Rams cannot turn the ball over like that if they want any hope in moving on to and going back to uh, another Super Bowl. But Cooper Cup, Matt Stafford, uh, pulling it out there. And outbraiding Brady. Uh, very well could have been Tom Brady's last game. Uh, realistically, at halftime, I do think Tom Brady went and told the team that and said, uh, you know, this is my last go, guys. We need to, we need to sh- you know, we need to shape it up. We need to figure it out. This is the last time I'm doing this, boys. I need you. I need you right now. And, uh, you know, they rallied. They really did rally. And I thought I was seeing it all over again, Tom Brady, man. But it, it doesn't, it didn't, pa- it didn't pan out that way. Um, again, still wildly entertaining. Um, I don't, I'm not, you know, no one's really sure if Tom's going to be back or not. Um, but still a valiant way to go out for the, one of the greatest team sport athletes, one of the greatest quarterbacks, probably the greatest quarterback, um, of all time. It's been a privilege to be able to watch him play the level he has, uh, as much as I do dislike Patriots fans and root pretty much against the Patriots because, and rooting against, I have to end up rooting against Tom in the sense that there are just so many mind-boggling fans that just jump like you know oh my team my, my, my Patriots fan and they lost but hey Tom Brady plays for another team so I can just root for him right you know no doesn't fly like that as well the noise annoys the hell out of me uh on, on top of that the people that think he was the almighty savior um and that Belichick had nothing to do with any of the success in New England uh all the other think it was all Brady in New England too annoy the hell out of me uh, which is why, again, it's tough for me to root for him in that sense because I want Bill. I mean, both teams exit the playoffs, man. You made the playoffs. Tommy, the playoffs exits in the second round. You exit in the first. You're watching the you're watching the Super Bowl from the same place, the couch. So we'll see if he comes back. Where that will set up the Buccaneers. I, I think this is the first time where it's been real and legitimate that he won't return. Uh, it was real and legitimate that he wouldn't return to the Patriots, but I didn't think that was it for his career. This is the first time where I really think that it's legit. Uh, concerns of retirement for Tom Brady, uh, and we'll see what the future holds for him. But you know, maybe more of a passing of the torch year to these guys like Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, um, and, and you know, a guy like Matt Stafford finally getting his go in the playoffs and really coming up big when they brought him in to do exactly what he did in that game. I don't. Jared Goff doesn't make those plays. Jared Goff doesn't keep them in that game uh, against Tom Brady the way that Stafford did. So all the credit to him. And all the credit to the Rams and their coaching staff as well for putting together um, that that W because it all comes down to uh, McVay's play calling and in coordination with Matt Stafford. And again, big time players make big time plays in big time games, and Cooper Cup uh, does exactly that. Stafford makes a great throw, but Cup just flat out beating the safety in the one on one coverage uh, to win that game for the Rams and to put him in the NFC Championship game as favorites to go to the Super Bowl over the 49ers. So the last one I got is just a despicable performance, a just gross, disgusting, unacceptable performance from the game manager, Ryan Tannehill, three interceptions. And I don't like to crush guys like this and make it seem like I could do it, but my God, I've been a defender of Ryan Tannehill. I've supported Ryan Tannehill, thought that he, you know, he really could take a team, at least, you know, take him to an elevated level. Um, even could go to a Super Bowl. You could win one with this dude, but nope, nope, not after this one. Absolutely no chance you can do it. Three interceptions in this big game. Um, you just need him not to make the mistakes. We weren't even asking for an incredible amount from me. Continue to make mistakes with three picks. He's, he, just, he just manages team to a loss. Yeah, you know, 
The running game wasn't terrific either, but, man, he just he, he really held back Tennessee, and I think will. You know, you, might be, you, you can be a very good team with Ryan Tannehill. He's a good quarterback, but he's not good enough. He's not great. You need great. You need fantastic. These guys are fantastic. They're great. Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar. These guys are great. He's good. He might even be very good, but he's not good enough. You know, again, I, I, again, Jimmy, Jimmy G. I think um, Tannehill's a little more mobile, but I don't know. Something there's just there's a, there's a swagger within Jimmy G. That separates him from Ryan Tannehill at this point. Um, and, and, and like I said, Burrow gets sacked nine times, and you still can't find a way to win that game for Tennessee. It comes down to Tannehill. I think more uh, form Deontay Foreman was more impactful than Derrick Henry. Of course, he had a metal plate and five screws in his foot. What can you really do with that? The fact that he's out there to begin with and they get a ball into the end zone. Uh, pretty damn impressive. But the Bengals survived. They outlast 348 yards for Burrow. Continues to show up and dominate in these playoffs. Over 100 yards for Chase as well. Two young guys that just really doesn't matter. Like I, like I said before, they have they had the people like, oh, they don't have playoff experience. They're going to struggle. They played in the national championship game. And, of course, early in the season, Burrow said this SEC stadiums that have been louder than NFL stadiums. And I don't doubt that. You know, they pack big crowds. It's intense. Down there in the SEC, and you know that good day from T. Higgins as well. This Bengals team is set very well, especially under these young players' contracts to surround them and really attack this uh, AFC with these tough quarterbacks. They have to surround them with a lot of talent while they're on the rookie deals and get you know pay out these big contracts. Other guys that surround these younger guys to really make a push because you're only going to have that ability to do it for these next couple of years. Um, so I, I would say attack that now if you're the Bengals. Uh, because you still have a chance of going to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, they beat the Chiefs early in the year, of course. Um, we'll see. It meant more to Cincinnati that game than it did mean to KC. Uh, we'll see what holds. Seven and a half point favorites KC are right now. Uh, and I love the swagger of the rookie kicker, Evan McPherson. Uh, takes a couple of practice swings, according to Joe, Joe Burrow. Swings his leg a couple of times and goes, Well, boys, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship and goes out there, nails the field goal. Great confidence from the rookie. There is a swagger within this team. There is just a you know a belief in themselves. It comes down to Zach Taylor too. That that time against KC where he kept going for him, going for him, refused to let Mahomes be a guy to beat him. I like my guys. We're gonna make our plays. Uh, it comes down to the field goal because the time runs out with all the penalties and everything. But they believe, in truth, we believe in in him and in what they're doing. Um, and he has them playing at as high of a level as I think you've seen the Bengals play in a very very long time. Um, and I still think it will set up a very entertaining AFC championship. Like I said, it'll be something to get into on Friday. Um, of course, if you're looking to better yourself uh, mentally and physically, injury prevention, you have that joint pain, there's stuff you got to deal with. Jared Antill's performance strength and conditioning. Uh, check him out. His information will be in the description of this video uh, as well, in the description of the podcast. He's the guy to go to. Um, most people that watch the show, it's going to be local to you. He's the guy. He's going to elevate you as an, as an athlete, whether it be collegiately, high school, uh, semi-pro, whatever, maybe or professional, whatever level you're playing at, he'll elevate you as an athlete. But as a person, he will elevate you as well and will get rid of the pain that you're experiencing or want to elevate. If you want to cut body fat, whatever it may be, he will figure out a plan for you. He's the guy that I would go to. So check out his information in the description to the video and the podcast. So that's the breakdown of everything. Um, try to get off it. You know, the, the just I can't can't talk about Ryan Tannehill in that game for too long. You know, Burrow performs, but I don't want to be the guy to make it seem like I know better. But man, Ryan Tannehill, you're supposed to be his game manager. All you did was manage to throw it away.
You know, it's not it's not the first time he's done it. You know, he is holding that team back in a sense. But who else are you going to go after out there that you can generally make a move for that's going to elevate that position for you? I'm not sure. Uh, it might be through the draft. You might have to draft someone playing behind him. Uh, maybe that upticks his performance too if you draft someone behind Tannehill. But there's also other holes you're going to have to fill in this team to continue to compete at that level. So uh, it's going to become a difficult task for the Titans to see where they go moving forward, especially after that performance uh, from Ryan Tannehill. But Sean Payton stepping away from the Saints. Uh, the rumor has it he's not going to be coaching at all this next year. Uh, could go to TV. I'm sure he'll have some lucrative deals in TV. Might just take the whole year off. Uh, then go to TV, go back to coaching. I know Dallas will push hard to get him back, especially considering if it's a season, because I don't and I don't see Mike McCarthy having any more success than he's had. If you want to consider it success and what he's done so far, uh, I don't see him advancing any further than the divisional round uh, in the following season. Consider, uh, especially considering the free agents they're going to be losing if he doesn't even get fired this off season. Uh, but that's besides the point. There will be some teams to pursue Sean Payton. 16 years with the Saints. Um, led that city and that team through the toughest times that New Orleans has ever seen, all the way to a Super Bowl victory. Uh, gave me great joy as a Saints fan. Uh, was a coach when I originally got into football. I followed Drew Brees. Um, fantastic play caller. Elevated the play. You know, gave us gave us fans so much enjoyment. A lot of these seasons, they don't come down the way you want them to, but you know, put us in a position to succeed and, and compete for the ultimate prize and won it even once. And I'm not from New Orleans, but for the people that are. I'm sure gave them a whole lot of joy, especially in a very, very down time for them and tough times for them. Drew helping rebuild that city and then re- and, and Sean helping and being a big part in rebuilding that team and bringing it to that success at a time where that city needed it. Uh, I think that is all that needs to be said about Sean Payton. I wish him the absolute best in his future. Hope to see him on TV, maybe sitting side by side with Drew Brees. Uh, but if, he's, he's going to find, he, he will find work somewhere. If he returns to coaching, again, wish him the best with that. But uh, definitely see a move the TV for him for the time being and wish him the absolute best because he gave me a lot of joy as a Saints fan and a football fan. So that is about it for all I have today for the Rufus Rundown. Again, I'm going to try and get a video out um, with my AFC Championship and NFC Championship predictions going to the Super Bowl. My bracket's already busted. I went 0-4 last week. If you wanted the winner, just hopefully you picked every game against me. Chris Santos's bracket looks pretty damn good. Uh, before the Super Bowl, I will bring him back on. We will, you know, talk about our brackets and our picks going in. Uh, both of my Super Bowl guys out in the uh, divisional. His both of his uh, Super Bowl picks, or not both of his, because he had the Bills with me. Um, he also had the Rams, though, and the Rams still are very much in play and looking like, uh, well, at least right now to win that game, they are the favorite uh, and a favorite to go to the Super Bowl. So we will break all that down eventually as well. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Gaming content will be coming. Be sure to tune into the TikTok, too, as I just posted a new one. All my social links are in the description. Uh, hopefully, you guys enjoyed this on the, the new laptop. Uh, hopefully, the lighting's good enough here. Hopefully, I you know, I put together a entertaining enough episode for you guys. Any suggestions, uh, guests in the future? Uh, I got a whole big old lineup of people I want to bring on. And I'm going and I'm set to be bringing on, so... Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. It is your boy, Rufus, signing off. I feel elevated. Call the homies, it's a celebration. I need more space, I need meditation. Got a little time and a little patience. Goddamn. Look, fuck the season up, I'm tired of waiting. I was in my feelings.